you don't want to look like you're capitalizing on such a dramatic mm-hmm. event. I think a lot of organizations struggle with that because, you know, they'll put up the black square and call it a day. Yeah. And yeah. that's not the fight that we're fighting. You know, we're fighting one that's going to be advocating for change for the rest of our lives. You know, it doesn't stop here. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the She's So Real podcast. I'm your hostess, AJ Joyce, where we dive in each week to chat with multifaceted women in the film and entertainment industry who believe in diversity and inclusion through their work and the media. I'm a digital creator and a black girl nerd with a background in fun movie reviews, film enthusiasm, and girl power advocacy who's obsessed with creating a space for talented, badass women. Grab your drink and your popcorn because these ladies are the real deal. I found an awesome music-related organization that's shaking up things on their social platform. I get to speak with one of the co-founders, Mia Van Allen, and one of their social media extraordinaires, Emily Yakana, on how their organization plans to change the status quo and what it means to be underrepresented in the music industry. These amazing ladies form the Color of Music Collective to spotlight POC and LGBTQ plus representation in the music industry. Each week, they introduce a new panel of industry professionals who enlighten us about different topics relevant and resourceful for the POC and LGBTQ plus music community. These ladies are on the right track on social advocacy in the music industry, and I'm glad I had the opportunity to hear from them. Let's welcome the ladies from the Color Music Collective. Want to look fashionable with a statement? Daisy LA is where it's at. Art apparel with a mission to empower women through conversation and community. This is where female entrepreneurship and eclectic fashion go hand in hand. Try Daisy LA. Shop there today and you get a 10% discount coupon using AJ So Real in all caps at the register. Again, AJ So Real at all caps at the register. Go get Daisy LA, y'all. All right, ladies, thank you guys for doing this. Welcome to the show. How are you guys doing today? We're doing really well. Thank you for asking. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I was like rushing here because I'm on the West Coast now. I was rushing here. Oh, trying to get to work. <laughs> I was like, I gotta go. It's <laughs> like, I got a podcast to do. Hurry up. <laughs> well, I appreciate the hustle. That means a lot to me. <laughs> oh, you're fine. <laughs> so before we get started with the wonderful organization that you guys have put together, I want to know what experiences have you guys had in the music industry before this all started? Yeah, so for me, I started working in the music industry when I was 18 at a recording studio in Chicago, where I'm originally from. And from there, I was kind of able to fully get a grasp of what I wanted to do. Because when you're at a recording studio and you're working, you get exposure to all aspects of the industry. So I was very fortunate to have that at such a young age. And then I knew probably about halfway into the summer that I wanted to pursue my career on the agency side. So working for a talent booking agency, because I managed a band for about three and a half years. And I 
really appreciated the hustle that went into each show. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I even got comments from managers in Chicago and promoters that I worked with saying that they really think I should look into the career of being an agent. So from there, I pursued that path with all my internships. And I've been working in the music industry for five years now to date. Yeah. Nice. So I can't really see myself doing anything else. Whenever I get asked that, I was like, obviously, with the pandemic and our economic climate, I definitely am more interested in trying new things. But I still can't see myself being fulfilled in life without doing something related to music, which is why I was so into the idea of starting this collective when I graduated and I had no job to do something that not only was music related, but was important for me as a person of color and for Carla as an LGBTQ music executive herself. So yeah. (laughs) And for those of you guys who don't know, Carla is the other founder of the collective. So just FYI, and I will also have her name in our show notes. Emily, what about you? What are your experiences like? Yeah, mine's a little bit unorthodox. So when I started getting really into music, and I was always infatuated with it my whole life because I had grown up studying music my entire life. And I actually was supposed to go to school to study jazz music as like a jazz guitarist and study music production and technology. But life has a funny way of working itself out. And I ended up not pursuing it. I actually ended up doing communications and social impact and advocacy work. That's what I studied in school. But like I said, life has a funny way of working itself out. And um, when the opportunity for the collective came on, I said yes, automatically, because I had always been in touch with that music side. And I felt like it was a way of itself coming back to me in itself. So that's sort of my story with the collective and my involvement with the industry. But I'm really excited to be working on this and seeing where it takes us. Man, that's crazy, you know, because I love where you guys' experiences, where they lie right now and where they were before, because I actually went from having a bachelor's degree in anthropology to working backstage catering for artists and getting my master's for entertainment management and stuff at the University of Miami. Now I'm like on a whole different scale and I... (laughs) I'm thinking on going on like web design and stuff, but the podcast here is my own version of this, you know, and I get to interview Mm -hmm. you guys and to see it as a real life application through you guys and your collective. It's inspiring. It's so inspiring to see. So kudos to you guys. Awesome. So Mia, how did you get this started along with Emily and Carla? How did this start? I decided to, and I could be wrong, Emily, correct me if I'm wrong, but I decided to start the Color Music Collective in late May Mm -hmm. because I noticed there were so many networking panels virtually that were happening about the music industry and Blackout Tuesday and just a lot of issues that are suddenly being brought up now because people have more time to read and educate themselves on things that they might not be too familiar about in our industry. And I thought now would be the best time to start the Color Music Collective because I was doing a lot of interviews, obviously, because I was graduating and I had 
amazing privilege of being in some incredible offices and rooms within the offices. And I noticed when I was being interviewed, the people around me were not people of color. And if they were, it was only a small margin. I want to say like, for example, one of the interviews I did had over 200 people Mm -hmm. being interviewed. And I would say, if you include myself, there were five people of color. And so I and other POC students from American University who went with me as well were really upset. And we continued to talk about it for months on end. So I decided, I would say honestly, back in January that I wanted to start something like this. And with all my free time, because I'm super OCD, and whenever I do something, I give it over 100% worth of my effort. You and I both, Um, girl. You and I mm -hmm. both. (laughs) (laughs) You and I both. (laughs) So then I reached out to Emily, actually, right when the idea came to mind. And I was trying to get help with finding the name and also what I would do with the company. Because I've known Emily since freshman year. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Of Mm -hmm. college. It's been that long. Yeah. And I've always looked up to her because she was older and she was the same major as me and she had the same interests as me and she is a person of color. So I always looked up to her and she's always had such great visions when it comes to PR and advocacy. So she was the first person I reached out to because I knew she would understand what I was going for. And then I reached out to Carla to be the co-founder because she is such an advocate for LGBTQ rights in the music industry. And she was the first person to ever come out in her office. Oh, wow. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. So she just has a lot of experience with advocacy. They both do. And I couldn't have think of a better duo to really do this with. So, yeah. (laughs) Aw, look at you. She's dusting your shoulders off to you, Emily. Do you feel that? I feel the love. Oh, my gosh. When she said freshman year, I was like, oh, my God. It's been like five years for me already. That's crazy. Are you reliving the memories there? (laughs) Yeah. I thought Mia was just so passionate when I first met her. And I was like, this is someone I want to be around. Because you don't meet many people who express the same passion as you do. and Very true. Very true. It's very rare that you come across that. So I'm extremely grateful for the opportunities we've had so far. And yeah, it's just so funny how things work out. I love it. You guys bounce off of each other. I wish Carla was on here now. (laughs) I miss you, girl. She's fun too. (laughs) Shout out to Carla. So now that it's up and running, was it difficult to put together? Was it easy? What was the process? Girl, yes. (laughs) 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 It was hard, to say the least. And Emily can talk more about the process behind the scenes. But I really struggled because I'm not really good with digital analytics or marketing or anything like that. So I had no idea how to really get the message out there. I knew Mm -hmm, what I mm -hmm. wanted to say, but I didn't know how to get the word out and really spread it. That's why I really wanted Emily to go on board because like she does that now with her current job and she's been doing this for quite some time. So I felt like she would be the go-to person for that. But in the beginning, what I struggled with mentally was the George Floyd incident. And I finished that day. 
planning everything, like down to the panel, the theme, the timing, the poster, everything. I finished. And I didn't think it was the right time at first to promote such an event. But then I realized after thinking and talking to Emily and Carla and some of my mentors that now, honestly, is the time to start having these conversations. Because if we keep waiting, who knows what else could happen in our industry. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I was lucky to have had guests on the first panel that we had who I'd known for such a long time who would be able to feel comfortable speaking up about this despite the political climate and Mm -hmm. could also educate people with their voice from what I've learned from them since I was a little itty bitty freshman in college. So I thought now would be the best time to start. And I'm so happy looking back when I was debating about holding off because now people are more willing to keep up the education and the advocacy and people keep coming to us. We get so many emails daily about what they can do and how we can mm-hmm. help them stay educated and give them resources and collaborate. So that's great. Yeah, Emily can talk more about the marketing. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, like you guys is Instagram is off the chain. And I mean, you guys just keep it coming with something new. You know, I'm only a one woman show versus many of you guys. So kudos to you guys. <laughs> Girl, you're killing it. I was just looking at your feed and it looks amazing. Oh, like, that, seriously. That means a lot coming from you because you know, <laughs> you're the real deal, you know? <laughs> I, you I, would I, not have thought it was a one woman show. Like, you're killing it, though, for oh, real. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have to know, you know, after what Mia said, how did you tackle the marketing on this aspect, you know, with the George Floyd happening and then you guys just coming out? Yeah, it's always a struggle with current events and finding a balance and you don't want to look like you're capitalizing on such a Mm -hmm. traumatic event. I think a lot of organizations struggle with that because, you know, they'll put up the black square and call it a day. Yeah. And that's not the fight that we're fighting. You know, we're fighting one that's going to be advocating for change for the rest of our lives. You know, it doesn't stop here. And I think when we started the collective, we had talked about that and we both decided we want to make sure that we're representing the voices that we wish we saw and we wish were part of the conversation. So in terms of the marketing and all that, we just wanted to make sure that everybody's voices would be represented and that everybody had a place at the table. And I want someone to look at our feed or our website and feel welcomed when they see it. And feel like they have a space to come and say what they want to say and take lessons from, you know, not just like this industry that we're involved in, but apply it to every industry, make Mm -hmm. more inclusive rooms and more diverse spaces and more faces that you know and look like you in the room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a work in progress. It's always a work in progress. And I think the real goal here is just to make sure that we have voices that are represented in our work. How did you guys feel once your first panel was completed? Ooh, <laughs> I think it was so refreshing, honestly. <laughs> I walked out of there, or not walked, I was in my room. But <laughs> I remember, I felt like I was so out of touch for a second because 
these are things that, you know, you keep in the back of your mind when, you know, you step into a conference room, you step into a room where you don't see people who look like you. Mm-hmm. And to feel that sort of environment where people are saying exactly what you're thinking is just so empowering. I think that's really what it was. But I won't speak for Mia. She's the one that really, you know, cultivated it. But yeah, I think overall for me, it was very empowering. What would you say, Mia? Yeah, Emily, you hit it so well. For me, what I've really struggled with, and actually on the first panel, I found out the actual term of what it's called is imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. And (laughs) I never knew there was an actual term for that. (laughs) And I feel that I feel that now where I work, and I'm still lucky that I have my first postgrad job that has a diverse office. And not many people can say that. But what I really liked about this is because navigating the job search as a person of color or an LGBTQ individual is different than the typical white straight person, whether or not people admit it. Offices and companies like to say, oh, we love diversifying our office. We're doing everything we can. And then I see a big room full of 200 people interviewing and I see five people, including myself, (laughs) who are people of color. And that's why I applied to that company is because I saw that on their website and I saw they had diversity inclusion office. And that wasn't the first time that happened to me. So I was really happy to chose that as the first theme. And I'm so happy that other people that on the panel who were higher up experienced that themselves, experienced that Obviously, we had panelists on there who've been working in industry for over 20 years, and they said that they've experienced it countless times. And these are people that work for clients like Beyonce and Jay-Z and Kendrick Lamar. So that really shows how things are played in our industry. So I walked out of there feeling like I finally did something and I finally was able to feel comfortable using my voice and I had people to back me up as well, which was a first for me. I just think there needs to be more causes like us. I was asked a question by one of our sponsors for our showcase on Friday about other organizations that amplify LGBTQ and POCs in the music industry. And I looked everywhere. I looked for about two days and I said, there's me and there's one other. That's it. And It's very (laughs) sparse out there, to be quite honest. And that's why I was really happy to find you guys because... I was looking for the same thing in terms of, of course, my niche is more geared towards women and women leading within those niches and sectors, but it is very sparse out there and it's crazy. It's crazy, you know? I couldn't believe my eyes. So, oh boy. It's upsetting at times Mm -hmm. too, you know? Yeah, it is disheartening because you're just like, man, you've got to be kidding me. Like there's no one else out here Mm -hmm. doing what I am looking for, right? like that you don't have that representation. Like it's crazy that in 2020 and we still got to fight for other voices like mm-hmm. us. Well, the great thing is you guys are paving the way for that. You guys are creating that awareness with your organization. And that's why it's so important. It's so important. Now that you guys are in the groove of doing things 
do you guys have any plans to expand your form of content creation beyond your networking panels? I have a feeling it's yes, but I know COVID is also restricting, of course, some things, but I would love to hear from you guys. Well, Emily, you can talk about the thing that we have upcoming for next month. But in terms of future in-person meetings, we are planning on doing in-person panels, hopefully spring 2021. Mm -hmm. We've been getting a lot of support from our panelists that are willing to help us expand the in-person panels because we've been getting so many comments from them as well saying like, oh my gosh, I wish we could do like a conference or something. We can invite just POC aspiring music execs or just LGBTQ aspiring young adults who are interested in the entertainment industry Mm -hmm. where we can do some giving back in person. And I totally agree. And it's just so hard because we can't really predict what's going to happen in the future but we're definitely planning on it. I'm having a call with a couple people next month about it. And I'm also going to be speaking on a seminar for NYU. On Look they at have you. Like a, <laughs> I know. I was surprised when I got that email in my inbox. Uh, <laughs> She's like, uh-oh. <laughs> She's like, me? Right? <laughs> <laughs> She's at least the other way around. But... <laughs> And I got the email and they were saying how they've been going to our panel since the first one, which was incredible. Yeah. And how they've really seen us grow exponentially and that they would like me to speak on post blackout Tuesday and what's next for Mm -hmm. the industry. And they have like a seminar they do for all incoming music business students during orientation week in September. And so that's what they want me to speak on for a couple days in person, actually, because they're opening their campus hybrid. So I'll be flying out there next month. But yeah, we've been getting so much stuff like that, where I'm glad that all of our marketing efforts and our panels and just our social media platforms are really getting out there to communities that never thought would be interested in this discussion. But we do have a lot more upcoming stuff going on. Do you want to speak, Emily, about our meeting for yeah. tomorrow, actually? Ooh, yeah, ooh, yeah. Exclusive, exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we actually are starting sort of a mentorship program ooh, that we're okay. really excited about. It's something that will be forthcoming like later on. And we're also launching and this is actually our volunteers' like ideas, and we're really excited to bring their voices to the table as well. But they came up with the idea to launch like an interview style, what's your favorite, like talk about the next album that comes out, that sort of thing, sort of like a pop culture oh, I um, love those. breakdown. So we're really mm-hmm. excited about that and to see that grow and to have that rotated between our volunteers as well. So they get a chance to sort of get out there and get involved even more. And Friday, actually, we're going to be doing a live stream showcase on Friday with three artists. So Balin, Shreya Preti, and mm-hmm. Jay Graves. And, and this is the really listening room, correct? Yes, ma'am. It's yeah. the listening room. So I was staying really tuned excited. to that. I just saw it not too long ago. I was like, oh, I need to tune into this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be super, super exciting. So it's all a live stream and a portion of our proceeds is going to go to the Arts Administrators of Color. 
it's a great cause that we're all going to be coming out for. And yeah, like Mia said, hopefully we'll be able to see that turn into an in-person event when it's safe to do so. But you got to work with what you can, you know, so. Definitely. Oh man, you guys have a lot going up on your sleeve now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're always busy all the time. (laughs) Now your organization in its own form, its own activism, especially with all the current movements that's aligned with currently. And I want to know, how do you guys continuously advocate for the underrepresented outside your panels? And this could be also on the individual scale too. How do you guys advocate for that? Yeah. So for me, what I do is I've been really focusing more on the advocacy side of Color Music Collective. I'm working really closely with someone on graphics who is in charge of posting on our stories every single day with a few Mm -hmm. advocacy links or information about how they can donate, get involved for free, virtually, whatever have it be. And I've been seeing a lot of people reshare those posts. And they also either DM me personally or the Color Music Collective on where we find this material because they also want to share. So I've been getting into that mostly. And also with the mentorship program, I've really been trying to give back to my volunteers who are POC or LGBTQ identifying and trying to figure out what could be useful for them during this time because many are in online school or graduated and don't have anything going on. So I came up with the idea of having my own mentorship program within the Color Music Collective And I've been reaching out to panelists who I think would really fit that well and would be interested and may have some more free time than others right now. And they all are super interested when I've been bringing it up. The people that we had on our panel last night for the assistance panel, that's all POC. They all said that they would be down to do it 100%. And these are people from UTA, WME, CAA, Def Jam. Atlantic Records, Mm -hmm. a huge, huge roster of panelists. So that could be really helpful for someone who may not have had exposure to marketing or may not have been able to take that free internship because of financial reasons. And now they can do it all virtually through Zoom. Nice. Emily, what about you? Yeah, like Mia said, I've always been really passionate about advocacy and social impact work and finding a place for underrepresented voices to be heard in my own personal goals in my life are to work with education causes and work with students and policy that is enacted and advocates on behalf of these underrepresented voices. And part of the great thing about being a part of that collective is finding a place where I can help and advocate for those that look like me and POC and LGBTQ voices that typically wouldn't have had a place to have shared their voices to begin with. It's all part of the greater cause, I guess, to sort of branch out and find a cause and a voice that I can speak to. And I'm just so happy that we're able to do that here. So yet later in my life and wherever life takes me, I'd like to see myself advocate on behalf of making a greater impact in our world. Glad you brought that up, though, because that Mm -hmm. was going to be my next question, too. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we all have to do our due diligence that way, you know, giving back to our communities and lifting up voices and people who gave us a shot as well. Yeah, I'm just blown away by what we've accomplished so far. And I'm just so excited to see what is going to happen next. 
Me too. I'm really excited. I watch you guys' feed. Like, I'm like, ooh, when's the next panel? When's the next Yay! panel? <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, so I'm like waiting. Like, ooh, this is good. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to hear that. That's awesome. <laughs> you're like me, you've probably been spending a lot of time at home and with your family. Because of that, getting groceries you need is more important than ever. With Instacart, it's easy to shop from your favorite retailers online and get everything you need delivered at a time that works for you. Save yourself a trip to the grocery store. Instacart makes it easy to take care of grocery shopping from home without even leaving the couch. My link will be in the show notes if you want to hit up Instacart to make it convenient, easy to get your groceries and everything else. Now, with the kind of things that you guys do, I'm sure you guys keep your ears low to the ground in terms of keeping up with what's happening in the music industry currently right now. And I'm curious, do you think the industry is adapting well right now to showcasing more POC and LGBTQ plus talent as we experience these current movements? I get asked that question all the time. (laughs) And my my answer, (laughs) no, no, no. It's a good question to ask. I just feel so bad when I have to tell them this response, which is Mm -hmm. yes and no. Because what I've seen and I've stayed my ears close to the ground in terms of publications and articles that are related to these issues is that people are more willing, obviously, to advocate themselves and to better their companies that they work within. And that typically is with a donation because Mm -hmm. they have no idea, especially new allies to this cause and community, how to give back themselves. So they just throw money at the situation. And they typically do that to diversity and inclusion offices. Mm -hmm. And right now, they're getting overwhelmed. I have a lot of friends who are working in those offices and they're like, we have so much money that we just don't need. Mm -hmm. And we have no idea what to do with it. And they're just throwing it at us when they don't realize the bigger problem within the company or just the industry in general. And that is like, I was reading a new plan for WME, which is fascinating. I highly recommend reading it about how they are now upping the payroll for assistance because they just realized that many of the the LGBTQ assistance and POC assistance financially cannot afford to live in a big city like LA or Nashville or Chicago or New York, London, wherever it is on a minimum wage salary, just unbearable because a lot of LGBTQ people have hormone treatments they need to do, different surgeries. Mm -hmm. And for people of color, many who work other jobs outside of the assistant role at the agency or at the label, or they have to financially support their families and pay off their loans as well. There's so many situations that these companies are not fully aware of. So I really tell people, and I also tell diversity inclusion offices at companies, what the bigger issue is and how they can maybe redirect that money to somewhere more important or more needed at this time. 
Mm-hmm. So yes, it's great that that money is going to something, but I have to say that was the only plan I've seen outside of a donation that's actually trying to make a difference in a music company, and that's spot on. Obviously, they can't do that much because there's hiring freezes and people are getting laid off, but hello, they have a plan for 2021, which is so in the future. And yeah, you have actors like Michael B. Jordan and even Usher, so many Black artists and actors who are now saying, I'm not going to be working with this agency until I see a difference. And they leave, which they should. And so now these companies are trying to make sure they feel comfortable staying and also making sure the actors see a difference in the roster, the clientele, the employees. I had an interview at WME and Usher walked into the room and he was like, yeah, a person of color. Yes, go. Wow, look <laughs> <Yeah>. at you. <laughs> you gave and- Usher hope. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, this is bomb. Like, I need to be seeing more of this. And this was mm-hmm. in January. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so I'm only imagining what he's thinking now. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Oh man, the power to the people, Usher. Power to the people. <laughs> He's gonna start singing, like, right? Dropping it. Those are his confessions, quote unquote. <laughs> oh boy, Emily, do you have any tidbits to add on to this? I think some of it's hopeful, but some of it's a little disheartening because you wonder if, when you're hired somewhere, wherever you go and you're interviewing, and if you're fortunate enough to score that interview, you're wondering in the back of your mind, you're like, am I being tokenized in this situation? Yes. Are they looking at me for my skill, or are they looking at me because I'm the only brown person in the room that they Mm -hmm. need? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I experience that a lot. And it's something like, if you're white, you don't have to experience that. You're not thinking about it. It's Mm -hmm. just one thing that we have to think about when you're entering a room is, what are they looking at? Are they looking at my skill? Are they looking at the content I put in front of you? Are they looking at like, oh, that's weird. We've never seen a brown or a black person in this room before. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder if they look as smart as they look or if they sound as smart as they sound. And that's, I think, things that we think about and You only hope that organizations and companies in the industry, they're just moving the needle forward, but like genuinely moving it forward, not just saying it. It's sad that, you know, you have like the reality of Trayvon Martin and George Floyd, things like that, where they're like, oh, we should do something. Like, no, it should have been top of mind, like way before things Mm -hmm. like this ever had to happen. Right. And it's just sad that things like this did have to happen for them to do something about Mm -hmm. it. And I think that's just across the board, period, at this point. I mean, things are just getting worse and worse and worse. Not just with the pandemic having, but people are losing jobs left and right, you Mm -hmm. know, and I can say what I want about the administration and whoever's listening to this podcast, you guys know how I feel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's just ridiculous on how everything is just being played out. It's crazy. It really is. And I think we get to see also people's true colors on how they really feel about things. And I mean, on both sides, not even just one, you know, and also too, how are we progressively moving forward either together or as separates, you know? So yeah, I think you raised such a good point there. 
you know, yeah. people's true colors are coming out right now. And if you take a look at like what just happened today and Joe mm-hmm. Biden just announced his running mate, in my head, I'm expecting the same backlash when Obama announced his nomination. And mm-hmm. that's sort of disgusting backlash from people on the other side of the aisle. It's just we're not in a post-racial America. You know, people yeah. say that all the time. They're like, no, you know, it doesn't exist anymore. I'm like, no, that is absolutely not right. true. I don't know where you're coming from with exactly. that. Exactly. It's not gotten worse, in my opinion. It's just gotten more aware. Like, people mm-hmm. have just become more aware of it, I guess, and are talking about it more. Or finding an excuse with this current administration to say whatever they want to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... There's a lot of work that we still need to do. Definitely. One thing for sure I know that's been talked about with the music industry, and I've been trying to keep up with it, but it's just one thing after another a little bit, is is the government going to bail out Hollywood as well as the music industry? And I've heard that a lot, and I'm not sure if you guys have been keeping up with that or have any thoughts on that. Yes, I've been keeping up with it as much as I possibly can. But as far as I know, right now, there's a bill that is about to finish developing mm-hmm. with Music Cares. That's a huge nonprofit right. that has really been, I've known about it for years. But I feel like now they're finally starting to gain widespread traction outside of music mm-hmm. because. You have the fans that are going to the concerts who miss that live aspect. Mm -hmm. You have all these festivals that were canceled that people were so excited before. You have food vendors that rely on the festivals for those spots. There's so many aspects of the music business that are affected, whether or not they're Mm -hmm. in the industry. And so now we have this widespread attention that's now been developed into a bill. However, based on how things outside of music are going on terms of the Hill and politics-wise, funding is now gone down quite a bit. I feel like, at least on the Hill for the Small Business Association, for mm-hmm. example, they are pretty much out of money to give for loans with businesses that are affected or have been shut down because of the pandemic. And I can only imagine what the response is going to be once the bill actually gets pushed on the hill and so on. So we'll see. I'm very optimistic about it Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. look what happened to the NFL and baseball. Right. Big 10 just announced that they are not doing fall sports. So I don't know. It's kind of like up in the air. We'll see. I think definitely within the next month, we can see how baseball is doing and maybe how the NFL does. And Mm -hmm. then I think maybe that will help. But again, we have players and the MLB and on the NFL who are refusing to play and also have gotten COVID already. So there's so many things we have to take into account and it's a trial and error really. Mm -hmm. But at least in D.C., where we went to school, the Anthem, which is sort of like one of those newer venues, have been programming a way to start live shows again because the cases in D.C. have Mm. gone down significantly. And they post that on The Washingtonian, which is like a magazine Mm -hmm. that we have in D.C. And it's looking like they're going to be opening probably in late fall. So we can see with that, because that's the first national venue to have ever announced a plan. 
So we can see with that how that goes. Oh, well, I'm going to have to watch for that because I was looking at a Billboard article and they were talking about drive-in concerts. And I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, this is really definitely changing what a patron's going to see for entertainment. You know, we're already seeing it with film and TV, you know, with drive-in movies and things like that. But the concert industry, whoa, drive-in concerts. I never would have thought of it, you know? So it's like nostalgia meets the future. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. You know? So I just thought that was interesting. I would like to know, where do you guys see the collective going after five years? Where would you guys like to see it? Personally, I just really want to do in-person panels and I would like to do hopefully in five years, a yearly conference. I went to like my first multiple day conference Mm -hmm. in Nashville. It's called AIBA, which is short for the International Entertainment Buyers Association. And oh my gosh, I loved every minute of it. I just (laughs) loved seeing people who I've heard or emailed or have looked up to in the industry all in one place where I could hear them speak about topics that are of interest to me and also just talking with them after and approaching that stage and saying, like, I've really always looked up to you and admired you. Would you be up to get coffee tomorrow? Because there is that advantage of having multiple days and having Mm -hmm. all these executives in one place for four days. So I really would like to do something like that on a yearly basis because personally, looking back, that's what really changed my perspective on networking and what really set me up for the job market in the months leading. That's what I would like. But what about you, Yeah, I definitely see it as an education opportunity that we're going to be continuing to expand on, you know, helping people who are our age who are just starting off their careers and giving them an opportunity to keep growing and learning and having it be like super accessible as well. Because if you want to go to these new education opportunities, they're not always the most financially acceptive. Mm -hmm. And I want to be able to give people that opportunity where it's not expensive and everyone can have an equitable chance to find their voice and find what they're passionate about because education is the key to everything. And yeah, so I definitely see it going that way. I can't wait to see if we're going to be doing in-person panels maybe this time next year, hopefully sooner. I mean, the COVID has its own thing going on, but yeah, yeah, just want to see it keep growing and keep expanding and create more opportunities. I definitely would love to come if you guys had a conference. I would kill to go. Girl, Just, you get the first ticket. Awesome. I have on the reservation list. Like you, are, you already got one. Thank you, because I would kill to be there. I think what you guys do is just so great. I think it's awesome. I would like to see what would be you guys' advice currently. And I think you guys did have a panel addressing this a little bit. Someone who's navigating the job market in the music industry right now, what would be your advice to give them on how to go through that with everything happening in the background? Yeah, so what I was doing before the panels is following up with those people who I met at the conferences Mm -hmm. or who Mm -hmm. I've met during work and saying what's going on in my life and just catching up and seeing what they know of if 
they aren't hiring, if they know of anyone else, and if they can ask around. I think everyone right now wants to be on a Zoom call of some sort (laughs) or a phone call or getting like a social distance coffee. I've been doing that here ever since I moved to LA. And people really want to go out of their way to help because they have so much time and many have the resources to do so. So my recommendation is if you are reaching out to someone via LinkedIn or Instagram or even via email, is to be more specific than ever before, because I'm sure you're not the only person who's emailing them. Mm -hmm. They probably get 100 of those emails a day. I've seen it. I do that right now for my boss. <laughs> and I answer <laughs> those emails. I just answered about 700 of them today. And oh my gosh. My, Ooh, girl, yeah. you are the hustle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm happy to see that. I'm happy to see the excitement of young voices who want to work in the music industry. However, I see those emails and there are about one sentence. And thanks, XYZ. There's no how I found you or why I want to get on a call with you. There's nothing important that I get from that email. So I delete it. I literally delete it because I don't want to waste my boss's time with that. Mm -hmm. And the emails I do see that are specific are like a paragraph or so long with what specifically they really liked about their career with the resume, of course, attached, but also how the resume tailors to the company and how they would really like to get on a call. That's what I like to see. Mm -hmm. And then I forward it to my boss and say, I'm going to organize a call. So that's just my tidbit in terms of networking. And if you're an artist, what I recommend is reaching out to managers. They're so easy to find now. I get emails all the time from managers saying they have an artist that they would like to be featured. And I just have to say, no, like we don't really have a platform for them because we focus on behind the scenes of the artists for the mm-hmm. people who are on the stage getting flowers thrown at them <laughs> for how well they did. <laughs> no screaming fans, getting pushed back by security. Mm-hmm. They don't have that love. They're work behind the scenes. And so that's what our platform is about is throwing the flowers at them virtually (laughs) to make them feel (laughs) like they have a platform and they do have people that really like to hear what they have to say for once in a lifetime. So Mm -hmm. that's my tidbit. (laughs) Emily (laughs) Emily is really the queen of our friend group of like networking. Uh Uh So I'll have her talk about her. She's a queen bee, huh? (laughs) No, Mia's definitely takes the cake for that one. Like, don't get me wrong. Oh, come on, come on. We want to hear what you're doing. We want to hear. (laughs) Yeah, I would just say, you know, once you work for an opportunity and like really work for it, you know, you'll find people in life who just get things handed to them and don't take initiative. And you could work your butt off and still not have that same opportunity as them and have no connections and really are trying to find your own way here. But, you know, once you do have that opportunity and just grab onto it and don't let it go and just give 110% to it because everyone always has eyes on somebody. Like mm-hmm. someone's always watching you. That's what they literally tell me at work, but in like a good way. They're like, you know, someone's <laughs> going to notice what you're doing. 
And once you have the opportunity to grow from it and then give back, because someone gave you that opportunity and took a chance on you, like give back to them and give back to the people who are coming up from under you. So that's what I guess a tidbit I would say about once you get your start in the industry and everything and just be thankful and humble and pave the path for others. Oh man, you guys are dropping gems, dropping <laughs> gems. I love it. <laughs> Well, as we wrap up, ladies, I have a segment called Keeping It Real, and we just talk about our faves, and it's more relatable for our audience here on the podcast. Are you guys ready? Yes. Yes, yes. What is you guys' favorite artist right now? Emily, you go first. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) She's Um, like, it's all you. (laughs) Her is my favorite artist right now. Oh, I love her right now. Well, her, like and um, <laughs> it's because she looks like me she loves guitars and I was like oh my god finally someone who looks like me and literally is killing it she's like a female John Mayer but like the brown version I'm just like thank she god. is like that girl could play mm-hmm. I've seen her in person oh, and I've lucky. also seen her while she's on stage mm-hmm. yeah I didn't even really know at the time you know when you're just doing your job and you're like okay I need to get out of here and do my own thing mm-hmm. but I saw her on stage of like this damn, she's really good. Like she's going to be big. And this was right before she won all those Grammys. And I was all like, Julie, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) So I just thought it was interesting, but yeah, she's really good. I like her a lot. Yeah. I love R&B, like the alternative R&B scene. That's it for me. Like that's my Mm -hmm. niche. And Mia, what about you? Mine, it's so hard because I'm listening to new musical all the time now at work. But oh, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been re-listening to TLC a lot oh, recently. Girl, I just like, I've been on because I commute now. And listen, I'm a rock person and I just don't want to listen ah. to that at like 8 a.m. in the morning. I, I really mm-hmm. want to find something maybe outside of the podcast that is soothing and also motivating at the same time. And I've just mm-hmm. stumbled across TLC and I've been listening to that. Well, obviously, since I was like nine years old, but I've been listening to them outside of their top. 10 hits. I've been listening to absolutely everything and it kills. (laughs) (laughs) I highly recommend, especially like their soundtrack material for movies and television that doesn't really get shown. It's phenomenally written. Mm -hmm. And then I've also been listening to Grace Potter a lot because she's been doing Ah. live streams every Monday. Mm -hmm. I saw, I saw. And I've been a fan of hers since I was 13 years old. And I've always thought of her as like that modern female Stevie Nicks, but also mm-hmm. she's a white woman and her inspirations are Stevie Wonder, Marvin Gaye, the Rolling Stones, Aretha Franklin, some pretty prominent cool. black mm-hmm. artists of our day. So I really admired that growing up because I didn't see any white people, white artists mm-hmm. saying, these are my inspirations and I'm proud of it. I'm not ashamed to say it. You had a white woman saying that publicly on her Mm -hmm. concerts and interviews and so on. So I really admired her for that. And she's been a longtime advocate. And I'm happy that she's doing these live concerts. And I really like how she has an advocacy part throughout. There's a certain theme. And she also donates the money to that cause that relates to the theme. 
And that's the only thing I've seen of it. And that actually inspired me to do the showcase. Okay. Mm -hmm. Grace Potter, are you listening? This this goes out to you. Same to you, her. We're watching out for yeah. you, girl. Okay. Oh and TLC. Yeah, shout out to TLC, the OGs. We're really out here. What is you guys' favorite song right now that's on the top 10 hits of today? That would not be a question for me. <laughs> I don't listen to top. I have listened to top 30 hits in over six years. <laughs> oh and like, I, I don't really listen. And I hear it on the radio, but I don't know the name of the song or mm-hmm. anything. I'm like totally out of the loop, which is bad for me to say. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just like an old school person. Like Grace Potter hey. is as modern as it gets for me. <laughs> Man, if you want to hear old school, like I listen to ABBA on the regular. So yeah, I'm a big ABBA fan. For me, it's like super positive (laughs) Mm -hmm. and on the flip side, like I love 70s and 80s nostalgia, but ABBA is like my go-to dancing queen. We can get (laughs) down, okay? (laughs) So I feel, yeah, I can't, I have to stay awake sometimes, but that's good to know. Emily, are you old school too? Are you still on the top 10? I mean, I grew up with that, you know, my dad was always playing. Stevie Wonder around the house. Like, I literally remember jumping up and down on the couch to Isn't She Lovely? (laughs) Just like as a seven year old. And oh my gosh, my top 10 in the top 10 right now, I would say, is it Rockstar by. Oh, Oh, I know what you're talking about. Oh man, it's a look at the tip of my tongue. He's he's like a huge Uh, artist right now. He's been on like the Billboard 100 for the last two months. Daniel Caesar? Mm mm. It's a he? It's a he. R&B or rock? No, rap. Rap? Rap. Mm-hmm. Oh, Little Baby? It's, I or... think it might be Little oh, Baby. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I Did think it's Little Baby. Away? Did oh, Juice World. Oh, I miss oh, Juice, Juice World, World too. I don't think it yeah. was Juice I think it was Little Baby, but rip Juice World. Okay. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. IRP Juice World, <laughs> yeah. and we got you, Little Baby. Mm-hmm. They're bringing the littles back, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, there's it's this like... <laughs> kid out there right now. His name's Lil Mosey. He's like this 18-year-old kid. I was like, wait, what? I'm 22. And I, he's like making millions and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, I, I know. I feel the same way. Yeah. yeah I'm like, like, bro, I'm, like, it's not fair. What am I doing wrong? Yeah. <laughs> man, we got to oh, step up man. our grind. Maybe that's it. Oh, who are you telling? Who are you telling? <laughs> And my last one right now is where do you guys get your music news? Like what's your number one outlet for music news? For me, it's a blend of the Rolling Stone Promoter 101 podcast, which I know it's a podcast, but it's the guys that do it really are in the haps Mm -hmm. going on because they really are high up execs and very well known. So they have their ears to the ground about what's going on. So I've been listening to that um, when I'm working or driving and Billboard has done a phenomenal job of upping their news game. We use that for our newsletter. Mm -hmm. And the New York Times as well has been amplifying Black music executive voices. Yes. Yeah, I've noticed that too. Yeah. If you are subscribed to our newsletter, we've been seeing a lot of that. So we add that on. NPR, their music Mm -hmm. section. Tiny Desk. Really good. Tiny Desk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Tiny Desk. It's <laughs> so cool to see how creative artists can get just with that small little area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Tiny Desk. Yeah, oh, I'd probably yeah. have to say, same here, like 
Billboard. I feel like Complex also has a good variety of music mm-hmm. news too. Mm-hmm. They hit on more of the pop culture side, but they've been doing a pretty good job. I follow them on Twitter and they post pretty good stuff mm-hmm. from everything happening. Complex. All right. I see y'all ladies. <laughs> we out here. Well, guys, that is the end of this. Thank you guys so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, thank, thank you. you. No, stop. All right, y'all. I have something to share. The secret is out. She's So Real finally has its own community. Yes, girl. The realest. That's right. (laughs) I'm getting excited just thinking about it. This community is an extension of the podcast and blog. The space is created for talented, badass women in the film and entertainment industry, just like my intro says, in order to support one another. You guys are supposed to share resources and news, network, advocate for more girl power on and off screen. Use this community for inspiration, positivity, expertise, skill development, think pieces, and much more. Ultimately, our mission is to bring your passion to reality with the support of these women. Have fun in there, and don't forget to invite any other ambitious women that you know in the industry. You can find the link in the show notes, and I can't wait to see you in there. All right, all right, all right. Wasn't that awesome? Be sure to join their newsletter to stay updated with all their upcoming events. Can't wait to see what's coming up, ladies. For today, for announcements, I would like to read to you guys a review that I really loved, and it was short, simple, and it got straight to the point. Here it is. She's So Real is authentic, intentional, and uplifting. It's a pleasure to listen to. Thank you so much, Kakuka. I really appreciate you writing those words about this podcast, about me, and the things that you're hearing on it. This means a ton to me, and not just because it's a review, because you, the fans, give me hope and encouragement to keep this thing going. Thank you all, and please, if you want to leave your review, you can leave it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, my website, my Facebook page. You could tell me on Instagram, but preferably Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. But either way, I will answer you, and I appreciate you. Until next time, be safe and wear a mask. I hope you enjoyed this episode of She's So Real. If you loved it as much as I did, head on over, rate, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. New episodes drop every week on Thursday. I would love to hear more from you on topics you want to hear. Head to the show notes and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next. I can't wait to hang out with you all again soon. Remember, keep it real. Keep it real.